presented by the Paranormal King Radio Network at ParanormalKing.com. Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of September 6th, 2022, and officially episode number 527, and this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com, and uh, yeah, it helps if I look at my show notes here. There they are, ParanormalKing.com, that's where we're at. Or at least that's where you should be at right now. And you can join us in the chat room. You can listen live from there and clickety-clack and type away and have some fun. Uh, you got to bring your own beverages, uh, however, and snacks. They're not provided. Um, got some interesting news tonight, some updates. And uh, got, I got duped on a story. It, it, it's pretty rare, but sometimes it happens. That's going to be our leadoff story since it happened a, a while ago, and I, I kind of missed it. Uh, we're also going to talk some UFO news. Uh, MUFON has released their sighting statistics for the month of August since we're obviously in uh, September. So, yeah, last month. And we'll also have some ghost stuff. Ghosts are back in the news, of course, because... It's almost October, and you expect that kind of stuff to happen. I call it the silly season because uh, all of a sudden that people that think we're a bunch of weirdos all of a sudden want uh, us to come into to buildings and libraries and talk about investigating ghosts. All of a sudden we're cool. We're, we're rock stars, I guess. And um, yeah, all of a sudden they care about us or think that we're normal or whatever. But yep, it's uh, – it's uh, getting there. It's uh, Trees are starting to turn colors. I'm not happy about it. Uh, the smell of pumpkin is in the air. Uh, things have uh, gone from bright yellows and greens to uh, oranges and browns. And um, Football is uh, right around the corner. Of course, uh, live in the Cleveland, Ohio area. So, of course, we have a little football team up here. Speaking of orange and brown... And uh, we got a good football game set up this Sunday against our former starting quarterback. Should have been a backup. But anyway, that's just my opinion. And, of course, baseball is winding down. We've got a month left. Oh, man, it's going to be fun. But I'm not a big fan of fall. But it's fun when all these stories start piling up about ghosts and people want to hear about weird things happening. And um, no matter where you're at here in the United States, I pretty much guarantee that uh, one of, if not more than one of, your local libraries will have somebody speaking, uh, hopefully a uh, an author, somebody who's written some stuff on ghosts, uh, but uh, also probably a local paranormal investigator will be speaking Maybe as well. Usually they only do, libraries only do one presentation for ghosts this uh, next month. But, uh, you know, we'll see. But uh, keep your eyes peeled in your local libraries. Check it out. It's nice because it's free. 
libraries will present the stuff uh, just to bring people in to get people to uh, realize there's a place that you can borrow books. Uh, usually you can you can rent uh, movies and stuff too out of there too. So yeah, you know, is uh, so it's a thing to do. And yeah, hopefully Halloween goes off without a hitch this year. Uh, candy is in your stores, so hopefully they don't pull the plug and cancel it. But uh, so far, so good. I think it's on. Halloween is still good. Can't do Halloween virtually. And uh, unfortunately, yes, we do have some cancellation news toward the end of the show. But a bright spot about that. We'll talk about some space news at the end of the show. And some pretty big, uh, well, I'll just say it now. It's a big birthday. There's a, a birthday for one of our uh, spacecraft. It's I think it's exciting. So I'm almost as old as this thing in space. Pretty cool. Actually, no, I'm older than it. Yikes. Wrong way. Anyway, we'll start off the news in the cryptid arena. And I kind of alluded to it when I started off the show that uh, kind of got duped on a story. I usually don't get duped. And what I mean is by fooled with information. And uh, a lot of times I'll use uh, see, well, Google news feeds so you can type in uh, keywords and what the the news feeds will do is it'll uh, search for these keywords in stories or headlines and sort it out and bring it to you based on algorithms so you're not wasting your time with with garbage stories but uh, sometimes things you don't want to read pop in there but it's still using the keyword so it's it's not really the algorithm fault. It's just because somebody else uses that word for something different than your intention. Um, I used phrases before, but that really narrows things down. So a lot of my news comes from that. Not all of it. Most of it. And that's how I, I stay ahead of places like the Anomalist and uh, Unexplained Mysteries and some other places that rely on users to update their uh, databases of stories, which I have links to those on my website at paranewsinsider.com. Um, those news feeds are available through there. Uh, but uh, got usually a day or two lead on those. So a lot of the stuff that we talk about here on the show, one of the reasons why I do a show on Tuesdays, not just because the slot's available, uh, but because Monday's a really bad night to do news, people uh, going back to work, but also just the news in general. Coming out of the weekend, stuff is just starting to trickle in on a Monday, uh, Monday afternoon. So I'd rather wait one day to uh, disseminate everything that happened on Monday, and a lot of stuff is just catching up on Tuesdays. So it just makes a lot better sense to do a show uh, early in the week to catch up on the weekend stuff coming out. And like I said, a lot of times I'm posting or I'm talking about stuff here on the show a day or two before it's being posted on these bigger news, paranormal news websites. So, yeah, you're getting your news quicker here, folks. That's another reason why you should tune in every Tuesday night. Hey, you know what? Every night here on the Paranormal King Radio Network. Why not? There's uh, great shows every night, and uh, this show here will, will repeat all throughout the week. So if you miss it, 
I don't know. I can't remember what night. It's, it's, eh, it repeats every now and again. You can check the uh, listing at paranormalking.com. Um, but yeah, every now and again, stories will pop in there, and I get all excited. I read the headline. Uh, now, a lot of times, I'll, I'll see the story, and I'll remember it. Uh, I'll know, like, hey, wait a minute. That, that happened a while ago. That happened last year. That happened five years ago. And it doesn't fool me. But other times I've not seen that story. That's what happened with this particular story. Uh, it was a story about uh, a tiger sighting out west. And I'd not, I'd not remember hearing about this. So I clicked on it and I, I started looking at the story. And I started. I decided, hey, this is going to make it. This is going to be my, one of my stories. Maybe my lead-off story for the week. Because this is uh, breaking news. This is a big story. And... I figured out why, uh, because here in the United States, um, most people, not everybody, will write the date September 6th. So 9-6-9-6-6-2022, because 9-6-22 is 1922 or 20, I don't know. Anyway, it's the year 22, I guess you could say more efficiently, but... Um, either way, if it's nine six, but the story was nine six, but it was actually six nine. So it was uh, a different month. They just kind of had the dates flipped. So it was uh, from was that June? Yeah, six six would be June. Uh, so eh, got fooled by I guess the it fooled the uh, the news. Uh, feed generator from Google. So thanks a lot, Google. I got all excited about it. As soon as I started doing research, uh, I realized it was from earlier this year. I'm like, whoops. Well, I still think it's a cool story. So I'm going to talk about it because there's some very valuable lessons involved in this story. And it uh, happened in Carson City, Nevada. Never been there. Uh, a guy was... Uh, I don't know what he was doing. He was just hanging around. But uh, he photographed what, he, what appeared to be, again, a tiger. Uh, unfortunately, the tiger was laying dead on the side of the road. And he took a very far away picture from it of it. Kind of a weird angle. I mean, if I see a tiger on the road, I guess I'd be a little hesitant to get a little close myself. But eh, maybe not myself because I think it would be kind of cool. Uh, even though it's dead. Uh, you never know. With animals, if they're alive, they're they're dead. Um, let's see here. Let's see if I can get this in the chat room. Oh, where'd it go? There it is. And so he took this picture uh, of and to the local news called uh, around. Nobody knew anything about it. The uh, sheriff's department came out. Nobody knew anything. Uh, they had not heard anybody reporting a, a dead tiger or even a missing tiger. and um, So no alert was made, obviously, of a, a tiger's dead. And the weirdest thing of all, well, maybe not the weirdest thing, but uh, he went out later and the tiger was gone. It was weird. It just disappeared. Actually, the story was from May, now that I'm looking at it. It was 5-9. So yeah, it was 9-5. It hit the uh, news feed never mind may that's how long ago it was but i had not heard about it 
So I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, but uh, the large animal was tan and white with the uh, black stripes on it. So, you know, looks like a tiger. Man, it, you know, at first glance, if you're just looking, maybe driving down the road or you're, you're across the street, and you look, well, what is that? It's like a tiger laying on the street. Uh, it doesn't look like a stuffed tiger. And if you've listened to the show for any period of time, uh, we've talked about those stories. Um, a couple major metropolitan cities where people have shown up. Uh, police involved, guns drawn, and it turned out just to be a stuffed animal. So that's happened before, believe it or not, more than once. It's usually a tiger that uh, people see that's a stuffed animal. So that was kind of like maybe one of my first thoughts. But uh, you could tell the way the animal's positioned. It looks like a natural death, and it looks like a real cat. And uh, he says it was... Uh, on its side along Curry Street behind the Nevada State Railroad Museum. Uh, his name was uh, Mike Bo- Bohemier. He said he saw the animal around 10 a.m. and went to look for it later, but found that it had disappeared, which uh, got him a little nervous. You know, what did it get up and walk away? The uh, Nevada Department of Wildlife stated that they never received any reports of any tiger alone a dead one and the photographs actually look more like a bobcat than a tiger and um when i first saw the story i was actually at work and i was just kind of scrolling through some of the news and it's probably why i got fooled and i was like "Ooh, tiger and i kind of zoomed you know pinched and zoomed in on the picture i'm like i don't know it doesn't look like a tiger to me it looks like a the, the feet are way too small and the head looked like a bobcat and uh didn't really have too much time to really dig into it. And if it was that night, it was the next night. I started uh, writing it up and uh, realized, that, yeah, that's definitely a bobcat. So a day later, after that story went viral way back in May of this year, um, Misty Sims Olvera stepped forward and turned in a photograph taken by her husband, of the same animal on the side of the road. Well, that view of the animal was uh, on the same side of the road, looking uh, pretty much at a downward angle at the the creature. And it clearly showed, you know, it was the same exact um, positioning of the cat, the legs together and the head turned up. Uh, Unfortunately, that angle also showed that the animal um, had... uh, Lost a little blood through the uh, the body as well, so it pretty much proved that it had been killed. And looking down at it, you could clearly show the uh, bobtail of the bobcat, and um, as well as the head too, because the head they have that tuft of fur on the the cheeks and the the ears that kind of look a little lynx-like. You know what I mean, like the lynx, and that they kind of it's one of the biggest things that separates that people always look at the the tail well it's got a bob tail so it's a bob cat it's not a mountain lion it's not a tiger that's true uh, but also the head shape uh the uh, short short uh legs longer body there's a lot of details in it and uh, the way the stripes are are a lot different than a tiger but 
you know, at, at that glance, looking at, it, at the initial photograph, yeah, I could see how somebody would have been confused. Somebody's not used to looking at that. But if you live in Nevada, uh, we've got them here in Ohio, but they're pretty rare to be that color. Uh, that's probably a younger. It's probably a juvenile. Uh, they have the the brighter uh, color when they're younger. Uh, as do mountain lions, believe it or not. Mountain lions actually will have stripes when they're cubs. Uh, so people get a little confused uh, if and when they see that as well. But the yeah, story came out in May, but I thought it was pretty cool because of mistaken identity. And you hear a lot of people confuse uh, mountain lions and bobcats. They think they see a mountain lion, but it's really a bobcat because bobcats are, are very... There's a lot of them out there, but you rarely see them. They're very stealthy. They they keep a very very low profile. They're they keep very far away from people. Uh, unfortunately, mountain lions uh, are not as uh, disciplined. This is probably a, a pretty good word as bobcats are. Bobcat will purposely venture well out of the way of uh, any human, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, interference or structures uh, to maintain its uh, low profile. Whereas a mountain lion, they're kind of all over the place. They just want to get from point A to point B, and it usually takes them all the way through C and Z to get there. And they're all over the place. And unfortunately, that's why they end up in places like downtown Chicago, Illinois, and uh, crossing the Wilbur Wilbur Creek this is the Wilbur Wilbur Cross Parkway that was out in uh, just uh, less than an hour away from New York City in Connecticut, where a cat was struck and killed back in 2008. Made its way all the way across from uh, the Black Hills of South Dakota, and that uh, caused a stir, caused a big change. And that was right after the Eastern Cougar was declared extinct. Got a lot of everybody uh, a little freaked out about that um the bobcats will have on their inner legs it's another way to uh you know see the the change between a bobcat and a mountain lion if they're walking and you capture them even if you can't see that tail even if you can't see their head if you can see the insides of their legs uh, mountain lion's legs on the inside are just pure white Uh, as a cub they will have spots on the legs. However, um, bobcats will have black stripes. So it's a, it's a really easy telltale. One of the many signs, there's probably about a dozen different things you could look at to separate a, a bobcat and a mountain lion. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, there's, there's a game. Um, oh, what the heck is it called? I can't remember off the top of my head, but there, there's a, uh, uh, it's called Cougar or Not. It's to play it every Friday. Uh, the woman who does it, I, she's in in and out of Antarctica all the time studying penguins, so I don't know. Uh, she hasn't done it recently, I don't think. I've not seen it pop up on Twitter, but it's a fun game where they post. People will send pictures in of uh, game cameras that uh, people think are mountain lions. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're not. Some of them are pretty difficult, and she'll ask all the uh, Twitter followers what they think of the uh of the catch it's pretty fun 
and it does sharpen your skills and you do learn things how to identify animals um and i'm usually right by the way but uh sometimes i'm wrong sometimes i'm just hopeful but uh speaking of hopeful you probably thought you'd make it through september without hearing about the loch ness monster but it's back it's alive and it's been seen again in 2022 so yes we can all breathe a sigh of relief that the Loch Ness Monster is not dead. It's alive and well swimming in the Loch. Uh, ticket sales for Scotland just went to the roof. People are uh, getting ready to, to fill up the, uh, the boats over there to go uh, searching for this creature. But it's just the fifth sighting of the year. And it was documented back on August 27th. A, uh, a man was filming the lock while on the northern end of Loch Ness. So Loch Ness is like this long, thin, it's like a pencil-shaped lake, which that's one of the reasons why, believe it or not, it's one of the reasons why people see stuff on there is because it's a long, thin shape with very steep banks pretty much all around it. So when the wind blows... It creates these uh, V-shapes in the lock. And if you've ever been in a bathtub, I mean, I know it's not uh, 1850 anymore, but uh, some people take baths, right? And uh, not so much a hot tub. Well, that sounds good right about now. Uh, but a bathtub. So if you're in a bathtub and you... you push the water towards one end and then you know you, you pull the water back and you push it and it goes back and forth it kind of bounces off both ends right goes off one comes back hits goes back goes back and forth right well the wind creates that as well as does uh, the uh, the moon can do that uh, with tides Especially the, the larger and the longer the lake, the more of an effect that'll have. Now, it's not really that prevalent on Loch Ness. The, the tide there is probably not even a, a couple of inches, so it's really not going to matter that much. But the wind does create what's, what's called siche. So the water rushes to one side, hits the banks, and kind of comes back. You don't always see it. It's not like a, in a bathtub where it's a giant wave, but sometimes you'll see V-shaped waves on these lakes uh, it's not horizontal like you'll see on a larger lake like if you're out in the ocean uh or uh, you're on a regular lake because it's again it's a longer thinner stretch of of water plus you have higher banks so it affects the way the wind hits the water this is i see you didn't think you're going to learn some science stuff plus there's a lot more to come trust me tonight so stick with me there's a little math involved too later on so yikes i know but this siege, so you get the wind blowing, and it looks like it's blowing in one direction. And then that water sometimes will come from the other direction, and it almost looks like something is swimming in the water. And that is what probably fools about 90% of the people that claim to see the Loch Ness Monster in Loch Ness. They've never seen a siege before. They've never been in a long stretch of water. Um, 
this phenomenon happens in a lot of different places. Um, here in the United States, uh, there's uh, fjords on the West Coast, and I believe there's only one fjord in the United States on the East Coast. Up in it's up in Maine, and I've been there a few times, and I've seen those those um, weird ripples in the water in that fjord. It's a very long, thin stretch of land with very high um, banks on both sides, and I've seen that same exact phenomena out there. And I, I can see why people are duped by this, and that's what happened with this last sighting. So this was a physical sighting uh, last year, 2021. They did split sightings from live in-person sightings, people who were actually there on the banks in Scotland looking at the water, looking at the uh, peat-colored water, like tea, like, like black tea-colored water, uh, versus those people that are sitting at home whether they're in Hong Kong or uh, Brazil, Denmark, or even on the other side of uh, Scotland somewhere. Or maybe in France. Where's my French fans at? All right, there's... Okay, there's two of you. Um, so, yeah, not a huge thing. And, you know, when I saw it, I saw the picture... I'm like, man, I really want to see the video. Uh, supposedly, the video was a seven-minute video. Although no physical creature could be seen in addition to this purported wake. So uh, the person who saw it, the person who filmed it, claims that the uh, the wake, whatever was creating this uh, kind of a disturbance on the surface of the water, was going against the prevailing currents. And that's what caused uh, a lot of the controversy. And that's why it was officially created into an official Loch Ness Monster sighting based on um, the, uh, call it criteria, but uh, the official Loch Ness Monster sightings register, which is kept by Gary Campbell. And I guess it's not going to let me post that picture. Yeah, you're not missing much anyway. It's um, the V-shape. Uh, it's, it's more actually more interesting to watch the video. The video, unfortunately, um, was actually only 15 seconds long of what they showed. Very disappointed in that. Uh, you're talking seven minutes, but you're only going to show me five seconds. But in that 15-second clip, uh, it's very far away, and then all of a sudden, uh, it kind of zooms in a little bit, and you see a passenger ship on the uh, kind of the furthest shore, kind of hugging the shoreline, uh, probably a little deeper water. So you would assume that the center of the lock would be deeper. That's not always the case. And that's why I like to see boat traffic on a on a place, or at least know where it's at, because then I can look up uh, depth, so I can determine whether or not um, that's a shallower or deeper area, which would create different uh, types of of waves. And so when I saw the boat 
on the uh, farthest away shore thought, well, it's probably deeper there. And what we're seeing is shallower water. It's easily, more easily affected by uh, currents or wind. Uh, so uh, it's kind of what, and it, it just looks just like all the other uh, pieces of um, evidence that have shown the siege before, the, the water sloshing from one end to the other. Let's see if a name change puts that up there. Uh, anyway, that's your uh, Loch Ness Monster sighting update. So we officially have, oh, there it is. So if you're in chat, you can see the picture. This is a cropped kind of pushed up view of it. And it, there is a video out there. I could I'll throw the uh, YouTube, it's on YouTube. Throw the YouTube link here in chat here in a second. And that probably won't work either, but uh, we'll try it anyway. And so what you're seeing is there's a kind of a brighter spot there on the middle left V-shape pointed in one direction. And they state that the um, the other waves that you see darker are traveling in the other direction. I think that's more of a optical illusion because of the angle of that water that's reflecting back is reflecting the sunlight. So I think it's kind of messing with them. Those are steep angles. And there's a, like I said, a ship going through there. There might've been a ship that went through before that. And it would take a quite a while. It's a pretty wide stretch of the lock. Yeah. Not the widest, I guess, but still, um, it would probably, uh, create a little bit of a delay in those uh, those waves going by. But it, it does kind of look kind of cool. But uh, no monster was seen. So there's nothing there to, uh, to really show any sort of creature. But uh, I've stuck the YouTube video link in there. Feel free to check that out. Again, it's only 15 seconds long. So I'm not going to lose you for too long. And hopefully... I'll bring it back here with uh, some UFO news from MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, the largest UFO investigation and data collection organization in the world. They are. Uh, they've uh, not that many members compared to what they had 20 years ago, 30 years ago, but uh, they're still the biggest. And, uh, yeah, the Loch Ness Monster, I, I, I don't know. Anything go a bird is a, is a, uh, I don't know, but it keeps it alive, I guess. Anyway, um, MUFON has uh, released their August 2022 sightings. I was really excited about this because it's been a pretty big disappointment for the summertime. You'd think, you know, uh, you know, COVID was pretty big. Those numbers in 2020 were, were pretty big. 2021 was uh, overall kind of a big disappointment. You figure people are getting out, uh, but uh, you know, it's not reflecting in the number of reports. Did people just exhaust everything that they wanted to talk about with UFO sightings? And UFOs were pretty darn big in the news last year, all summer long. But uh, not very positive for MUFON this year. I don't think a whole lot has been positive for MUFON in the last couple of years. And uh, 
Again, despite the increased attention of UAPs and UFOs by the media, seems like the government is talking more about UFOs than uh, I mean, all these conspiracy theorists or UFO um, investigators and researchers. It, it seems like you know you hear more the word UFO on CNN than you do anybody else. It's kind of a really weird role reversal. Um, but uh, we did see an uptick of reports this year. So uh, let's look at what do we have last month? Oh, six, yeah, 620. Yeah, not very many last month. Um, so July was the actually July was the highest month so far the year, 634 total reports for the month of July. And uh, that was a little bit higher than June's 633. By a little bit, I mean one. Um, but that was the highest total we'd seen in uh, probably two years. Well, since April of 2020. And we still haven't beaten that yet. But the month of August yielded 900 and 34 reports from around the world. Uh, that's a pretty big jump. It's a pretty big increase. And it's a lot higher than what I thought. I stopped doing, I used to do predictions. And I got pretty close a few times. But then, uh, yeah, it's just like blindfold throwing a, um, a dart down the driveway, pretty much. Not very close lately. Uh, so I kind of gave it up, but 934, that's pretty impressive. And again, the uh, highest total since April of 2020. And the United States, of course, since MUFON is uh, based out of uh, the United States, based out of uh, here in Ohio, in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, 744 sightings. with the uh, United States out of the total 934. Um, the high water mark was uh, 516 out of the United States back in June. And the highest previous number or highest number previous to this year was back in April of 2020, just like the total number of sightings that month, there were 770 U.S. sighting reports. Uh, looking at the rest of the totals here, Canada turned in the next amount with 51. France, uh, my French friends out there, turned in 43. United Kingdom had 30. Uh, Belgium had 11. Iran had 5. Brazil, 4. Ireland and Germany had 3 each. Spain, India, Mexico, Portugal, Italy, and Turkey turned in two reports each with another 28 countries, I'm not going to name all those, turning in one report each. Uh, breaking down the 744 U.S. reports, California, of course, led the way with 60 reports. And I always explain that every month. Uh, California should lead because they have the highest population. So if you have the highest population uh, by 
mathematics, your state should lead in the highest number of reports. Just kind of sort of makes sense. Uh, Texas had 46. Washington had 42. Pennsylvania and Florida both turned in 38. Uh, Ohio was there with 36. Colorado had 34. Uh, New York had 31. Arizona, 30. Michigan, 28. Sounds like a football game. Uh, Illinois, 23. Massachusetts, 22. Uh, New Jersey had 19. Uh, Missouri had 18. Oregon, 16. Maryland, Nevada, Kentucky, and North Carolina had 13 each. Uh, Indiana and Tennessee had 12. See, Oklahoma, Minnesota, and Wisconsin turned in 11 reports each. Uh, Virginia and Connecticut had 10. Arkansas and New Hampshire had 9. Vermont and Rhode Island had 8. That's pretty, that's pretty steep for those guys uh, being smaller states. Uh, Utah, West Virginia, Georgia, Maine, they had 7 reports each. Uh, Iowa, New Mexico, Kansas, and Alabama had six each. I don't know why I was reading that. I was thinking, can't, well, it's Kansas and Alabama, a couple of bands. I was just thinking music. But uh, Idaho, Louisiana, North Dakota, Wyoming, those states had five. Uh, Mississippi had four. South Dakota and Montana had three. Alaska and Hawaii had two uh, each, and I guess that leaves uh, Delaware, South Carolina, Nebraska, and the District of Columbia turning in one report each. Um, but we'll see. I mean, um, where do we go from here? Um, UFOs is really... It really hit the. Hasn't really been in the middle of the media that much anymore. Uh, we don't see um, that much about it. But uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens as far as what we do moving forward. But uh, they got to get off. They got to get off the couch. Um, they got to get off that 70s love seat and uh, start doing some campaigning and stop, you know, just appealing to the members because the members are getting older. Uh, the members are retiring. Uh, the members are getting, uh, they're just getting older. And so, how are you bringing new people into this stuff? And what are we doing to keep those involved involved other than having a, giant yearly meeting. I don't want to get on my soapbox, but um, I don't know. Uh, what did I say Georgia was? Did I mention Georgia? I had a map in Georgia. Let's see. They didn't turn in the end. Ah, Georgia. Georgia had uh, seven reports each with um, Maine West Virginia and Utah. Uh, MUFON is considered a non-profit organization. There for a while they were getting money from, uh, oh man, I had his, 
this picture on my mind, the guy with the big mustache, the guy that uh, that rich UFO guy that owned uh, the property out west. You guys know who I'm talking about. The uh, ranch out there, the UFO guy. Um, oh, man. Anyway, he was supporting uh, uh, MUFON and, uh, yeah, the Skinwalker Ranch guy. <sighs> what was his name? What was his name? Uh, it's going to drive me crazy. Anyway, yeah, they're a nonprofit. They get their money mostly from membership anymore. So people just uh, donating their money to this. Uh, it's just such a sad and tired organization. These revamped, you know, they revamped it. I was all excited about this uh, years ago. They were talking about um, kind of rebirth and uh, Robert Bigelow. That's his name, Robert Bigelow. You know, they were talking about uh, rebirth and rebranding and redoing and getting some, injecting some, um, you know, youth and enthusiasm. And all they did was change the logo. They changed the logo. Yeah. Well, you know, I offered. I threw my hat in the ring, said, I'll run it. And uh, nobody ever got, nobody got with me. I don't have a degree, so apparently... Um, they'd rather have these older guys running it who are kind of out of touch uh, with being in the field, investigating with people, and uh, understanding the, the whole business aspect of uh, operating a large nonprofit organization. Uh, I've run a nonprofit, so I've already done that. I understand how meeting notes and all that stuff, you have to have certain, there's certain requirements to have a, uh, 501c3 and all that stuff, all the stuff you've got to turn every year in. I've done that before. I used to, I've switched out jobs every, pretty much almost every quarter. So uh, I've done all the jobs. Move on. I'm willing to help, but uh, that's okay. You don't want me. Um, let's go to ghosts. Man, it's been a while since we talked about ghosts. And, you know, when you talk about, lists when you talk about top tens um generally we talk about that at the end of the year right i mean we're still in the uh, third quarter of the year does the paranormal have quarters when you're looking at the year so it'd be like january february march april may june july august september so we're right at the end of the third quarter in october november december the powerhouse months of the paranormal and not really, but uh, October usually is a huge month. And then October kind of simmers into November. And then December is pretty much uh, the pulse of a corpse. As far as the paranormal is concerned, usually, I don't know why it's just how it is. Um, but obviously people are, are writing articles right now to get people to uh, point themselves toward their websites because Halloween is around the corner. People are buying stuff. Uh, they're picking out uh, pumpkins right now. Uh, they're getting ready uh, to get their candy corn because everybody loves candy corn. The number one candy on the planet for Halloween, right? Yes, that's what I thought. And, and it kind of goes hand in hand with some of the fall stuff, but uh, I'm more of a Halloween fan than 
a fall fan, but you'll start seeing these lists. So it's not just a, a end of the year wrap up list, but uh, I usually don't get too involved in the stories, but I, I think this one is a really interesting one and I want to get people involved in it. And I want to share my kind of feelings on it too, because I was kind of a little perturbed when I'm reading it. I was like, Oh, this is a pretty good list. And I, I stood back and I thought, I'm like, wait a minute, who came up with this? Obviously not anybody who is, uh, as a researcher and investigator, it's just somebody who, uh, just looks up stuff for, for fun or for a living. But, um, this comes from 10best.com, which is, uh, it's a division of USA Today and talks about haunted locations in the United States. And every haunt, every location, I don't care where you're at, uh, every place you go and investigate claims that they're the most haunted in the United States because there's no way you can validate that. There's no way you can invalidate that. You could just make the claim and a handful of people will follow you and they'll support that. They could put it on bumper stickers and black T-shirts, and people will believe anything that's on a black T-shirt. Trust me, I've met a few. And the good thing about people who believe in ghosts, well, like most everyone else out there, is they're, they're full of opinions and batteries. Uh, USA Today has a division, again, called 10 Best. It can be found at 10best.com, the letter one or the numbers one zero best.com 10 best.com uh, among the multiple categories it has to read uh, there's a few that you can vote for yourself you can vote on things to push it higher up in the rankings and one such page is for a reader's choice 2022 for the best haunted destination in the united states and uh, I was so excited to see that. I was like, ooh. And I was hoping that they would start at the bottom and work their way to the top. But they they spoiled it. I don't want to see the number one right away. That kind of ruins it. To me, anyway. I, I don't know. Why would you want to see the first one? Wouldn't you want to see the last, the bottom? Anyway. Uh, so far, the listing includes 20 Interesting selections, and I'm going to go from the bottom. I'm not going from the top. Let's go all the way to the bottom here. The Moss Beach Distillery out of Moss Beach, California, which is uh, that's a pretty p popular one. It's been on TV. There's a little controversy about that, but if you already knew about the Moss Beach Distillery, it should have been controversy. Guys, ghost hunters, uh, California. Is a happening place for haunted places. That's not the highest ranking California one. You probably already know which one that is. Uh, the next is uh, Fort Abraham Lincoln State Park in Mandan, North Dakota. Wasn't it ever even on my list? But uh, apparently it is on somebody else's. Uh, Oakland Cemetery in Atlanta, Georgia. I've heard of that one. The Moon River Brewing Company in Savannah, Georgia. Sounds like just like an advertisement. Uh, the Whaley House Museum in San Diego, California, is in 16th place. That's a pretty big one. Uh, fort Delaware, Delaware City, uh, any kind of fort. There's hundreds of them. Um, 
That's in 15th place. The Queen Mary, Long Beach, California, number 14. I was surprised to see it that low. As the next one, very shocked, the West Virginia Penitentiary in Moundsville, West Virginia, number 13. Wow, I no, that should be toward the top. Um, I've only been to a handful of these places on this list. But uh, out of the list, the actual physical list of 20 places that's on this list, I'm putting that one at number one. Believe it or not, yes. Moundsville Penitentiary is my number one. That's just of the 20 that's on the list, but there's quite a few that didn't make the list that I'm a little upset about. Uh, Yuma Territorial Prison Museum and Park in Yuma, Arizona is number 12. What? I guess people like Yuma. Uh, the Myrtles Plantation in St. Francisville, Louisiana, number 11. I think a lot of people would uh, think that should be a little higher, but at least it's there. The top 10, a respectable number 10 for the St. Augustine Lighthouse and Maritime Museum in St. Augustine, Florida. Uh, Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, comes in at number nine. So far, you can still vote on this. Don't 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 fret. You can still change things. Uh, the Winchester Mystery House. In San Jose, California, comes in at number eight. No, 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 no. It's not Sam and Dean's house. Somebody actually asked me that once. Is that is the Winchester Mystery House? Is that where Sam and Dean live? No. Uh, Fort Mifflin on the Delaware in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, number seven. Uh, Fort East Martello Museum in uh, Key West, Florida, number six. And if you've never heard of that, Oh, that's another one I've been to. Oh, that's home to Robert the Haunted Doll, whom you must ask for permission before you take a photograph of, or mischief will follow, or so they say. Um, never had any mischief to me, but um, believe it or not, my picture didn't even turn out either, so I guess maybe it was mischief. They said that if you don't ask, your picture doesn't take out, Or, but uh, my camera I had, it was a little dark in there. And uh, didn't really get a good picture anyway. It's too much glass in there. Anyway, the Wood Island Lighthouse in Bedford, Maine, number five. I never would have thought about that being in a top haunted list. Uh, that's a place that I've – well, I've not been in it or been to it, but uh, I've seen it. Not been on the island, but I've been uh, pretty close to that. I was actually out in Bedford Pool. Which is uh, it's at the mouth of the Saco River, which is it's pretty much spills out into the ocean. But it's pretty cool, a creepy looking lighthouse. But uh, I think a lot of them are. Uh, let's see the Grove in Jefferson, Texas, number four, uh, Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in Western West Virginia, Tala, makes it to number three, uh, Waverly Hills Sanatorium, Louisiana. Did I say Louisiana? I meant Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, number two, uh, not my favorite spot. I, I really don't see what the uh, – other than the, a wicked-looking building, uh, I think Waverly Hills is the most overblown, blown out of proportion 
most unhaunted place I've ever been to in my life. Um, and I get a lot of flack for saying that, but I, I didn't, uh, I didn't think anything of that. I think a lot of it is so overblown. The stories are false. Um, there's a lot of fiction generated by the people that uh, put the place on and perpetuated by a lot of the groups that are associated with it. No offense, but I don't really care. I'm not involved in any of that anyway anymore. Um, and the stories are just made up of things that will naturally occur because there's no windows on most of it. It's sitting up on a hill surrounded by traffic and dogs and people talking that you can easily record and you can actually listen to people's conversations. I actually listen to people talking on the phone, standing outside on their balconies, um, probably talking about things they shouldn't have been talking about, about their spouses and things. But yeah, you can hear all sorts of stuff. And if those people in that area only knew that there was people creeping around with high-tech devices that could pick up sounds, they probably had the place shut down. But anyway, I would say not haunted. Not haunted. Not as much as what they say it is. Nobody threw themselves off roofs. Nobody hung themselves on pipes that were just created um, 30 years after these said people hung themselves. Anyway, um, so far, the number one haunted location, according to the Internet experts, and this is why I didn't want to see it first. I, I would rather had waited. Zach Bagans, the haunted museum in Las Vegas, Nevada. So no Mansfield Reformatory in Mansfield, Ohio. That's a load of crap. That's Mansfield would have been my number one. Uh, the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado, didn't make the list. USS North Carolina didn't make the list. Lizzie Borden's house um, in Fall River, Massachusetts, didn't make the list. The Crescent Hotel, Eureka Springs, Arkansas, didn't make the list. The Dock Street Theater, Charleston, South Carolina, nothing in Charleston made the list. Um, uh, the Driscoll in Austin, Texas, the Red Onion Saloon in Skagway, come on. I was mad about that one because I've been there a couple of times. Uh, what about Gettysburg? Anybody ever heard of that before? Good grief. You guys got to call me when you're going to do a list like this. I'll help you out. Uh, anyway, you can vote for your favorite of those first 20 locations that I'd mentioned uh, once per day until Monday, September 12th at 12 p.m. Eastern. And the winning locations will be announced on Friday, September 23rd. I can't wait. But I seriously doubt that that's going to change all that much. They don't really tell you who voted, how much for each one, I don't think. So no way for me to know what it's going to take to get Zach Bagans out of first. That's all I care about. I don't want to see Zach Bagans win that. Um, no. Uh, you could also vote for the best haunted hotel or the best ghost tour and best haunted attraction if you feel so inclined to. Yeah. Pretty much all comes down to money nowadays. Speaking of money, anybody got an extra few billion dollars to burn? Uh, that's um, kind of how some people are starting to feel about this whole Artemis One launch that was supposed to uh, highlight the talk. And maybe I jinxed myself I was excited about this. I talked about this all last year. Um, 
I talked about how well 2022 is going to be the year that people are going to start talking about going to the moon. We're going to start talking about Mars. People are going to actually start to realize that we're going back into space, and it's going to be a big deal. And uh, so far, nothing. It's been a pretty big disappointment. Of course, you would have thought that our technology hopefully would have gotten better. We would have figured some stuff out. But uh, these things happen. This is normal to have delays like this. Although I think, you know, I, I didn't really come out and say it, but I kind of felt this way uh, last week that uh, I felt like they already knew something was wrong, but they, they just really felt like if they didn't bring this thing out and put it out in public display, they're going to be in trouble. So better to have a couple of delays and then roll this thing back in for two weeks than to uh, not roll it out at all and then wait a couple of more months because people would have just lost their patience. Um, so yeah, so Mars is a long way off, but uh, latest series of delays might hurt the financial future of missions, not only to Mars, but possibly to the moon. People are already talking about pulling the plug on this thing. Uh, the second attempt at a launch was this past Saturday. Uh, the launch, they closed it before the launch window even opened. Uh, was scrubbed due to a liquid hydrogen leak. The Artemis 1 stack is, um, I haven't heard officially, but it's probably um, more than likely going to make its way back to the hangar. It's going to be um, probably mid-October at the earliest at this point. And it gets any later than that, uh, forget it. It's not going this year, which would be a huge setback. And um, there's already some mumblings about people saying that uh, maybe we shouldn't have been spending all that money on a rocket that we can't even get off the ground. But uh, NASA Administrator Bill Nelson stated that two scrubs cost far less than a failure of the rocket at any stage of launch and that the space shuttle was sent back to the vehicle assembly building 20 times before it launched. Yeah, I remember that. That was very frustrating as a kid to uh, see that over and over and over. But the good news is, out of all this, they uh, they got the Voyager 1 working again. That's pretty sad. We got a, a brand new state-of-the-art rocket, billions of dollars worth of technology, cutting-edge computers. And yet we've got a 45-year-old rocket with... Uh, computer chips that couldn't even uh, couldn't even function anything on your your cell phone at this point that is uh, I don't know what's going on here watch has got my watch is going crazy stop it um, yeah technology it's come a long way but man this thing's still ticking out there in space. Uh, a few months of strange readings earlier this year. I got a lot of people thinking I was a little worried. Uh, every time they talk about this thing's going to be dead, something happens that comes back to life. It's, it's kind of weird. Uh, they thought the uh, the batteries and equipment had finally given out. Uh, it started sending back some weird information back in May of this year. And while many were just ready to let the craft just disappear into the void of space, uh, it took about four months to diagnose and fix the craft. Uh, basically, long story short, uh, the wrong computer 
was is put in charge of sending back data, and they had to figure out. Uh, they figured out. It took them four months to figure out how to turn the right one on and the the wrong one off. But the problem is they need to figure out how all that happened in the first place uh, to keep it from happening in the future. Uh, Voyager One and its sister Voyager Two are loaded with equipment that uh, was state of the art at the time. But again, uh, 45 years old. That's pretty. Pretty ancient technology at this point. Uh, most of the gadgets are turned off, no longer functioning anyway. Uh, the only usage of the onboard battery is to keep the craft's antenna pointed at Earth and periodically give updates about the craft's health and status. Uh, the Voyager 1 celebrated its 45th anniversary yesterday after being launched on September 5th, 1977. So happy birthday, Voyager 1, as it moves uh, slowly through space, 22 hours it takes for uh, communication to be turned over. So if we were to send a beam of signal to it, it takes 22 hours to get to it. So any response, again, would take 22 hours to come back. Uh, it's at a distance of about 14.5 billion miles away. Billion with a B. Uh, it's traveling at a paltry 38,000 miles per hour, which sounds fast. And yes, it would probably peel the paint right off your car if you did it on Earth. But out in space, that's really nothing. Um, I guess that's kind of fast. It's 10.5 miles per second. But just think, the speed of light is 186 thousand miles per second uh the craft entered interstellar space about eight years ago meaning it's left our solar system and with that i'll leave you for this week but for next week keep your eyes in the skies your ears in the woods the hair standing on the back of your neck and always keep your mind slightly ajar above all else don't stop Believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting.